0: You are listening to The Light of Today with the powerful, life-changing Word of Christ that heals, delivers, transforms, and fills you with the Holy Spirit. Let God's truth burst forth into your heart. Stay tuned to The Light of Today with Chris Palmer. Wonderful job. You can be seated. Wonderful job. Bless you, bless you, bless you. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 8. I'm going to read it in the NLT. This is what it says here. The Apostle Paul talking. He says, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned only to rely on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger and he'll rescue us again. We've placed our confidence in him. Someone say confidence in him. Come on, talk to me. Say confidence in him. And he'll continue to rescue us. Someone say rescue us. And verse number 11, you are helping us by praying for us. Then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. If you have been with me for any time, one of the things that I've constantly talked about as a pastor is two things in this ministry that I believe is two foundations. Is Number one is prayer and the other is fasting. Someone say prayer and someone say fasting. Prayer and fasting are weapons of our warfare. The Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And so I'm sharing this this morning to say that there are so many things that people practice in churches today and they put a focus on that have much to do with nothing. Can somebody say amen to that? They focus on the externals while as a church... I believe it's imperative to stay focused on the internals the things that matters from God's word smoke and what your stage looks like and the color of the you know lights and how the you know whatever the aesthetics have they don't matter at all to God they don't matter to us praise god And we're getting started in our ministry. Church is very young. So the most important thing that we can establish in the ministry is what God does inside his people and how you mature as a church. Do you believe that? And the way that you mature as a church is by becoming people who know how to pray. And I'm not talking about this this morning, but very soon I'm going to be doing it maybe one or two part series called the mystery of prayer because there are certain things about prayer that you are not going to understand until you get on the other side of eternity if you pretend to know everything about prayer you're fooling yourself there's nothing we we don't know everything about prayer we just know that god tells us to pray and he tells us to pray when he tells us to pray do you believe that this morning church and so we just have to be obedient to God. I told this story in my first book and I want to tell it again this morning. When I was in church, uh, 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 when I was in in college, I was getting out and ready to go out of the house. And I was home for break and I was in my parents' house. I was living with them at the time when I wasn't at school. I was leaving and I was walking out the door. And I was putting my shoes on, sitting on the steps. And a spirit of intercession came over me. And you say, Pastor, how do I know what a spirit of intercession is? You'll know when it comes over you what intercession is. Amen. It'll grieve you. You won't want to do anything but pray. It's not a spirit of fear. But it's a spirit of, I have to pray now. And if I don't pray now, God's going to be grieved. And you will want to stop what you're doing. But you can't just be overtaken by the spirit of intercession. You have to yield to that. And I didn't yield to it. And I remember I got back in prayer and the Lord rebuked me that night. He said, I told you to pray and you went out with your friends. And I didn't. And then one day I was at college and my friends were going out for sushi. And I'll take any chance you give me to go out to eat. Amen and I was getting ready and that spirit of intercession come over me it doesn't come over me every day many weeks I'll go without it months sometimes so I'm going out and that spirit of intercession comes over me and I just bought a brand new Bible it was a Kenneth Copeland study Bible just bought it and I'm walking out the door the intercession comes over me and I ignore it and I get to my dorm room and I go to sleep and I wake up in the morning and the Lord speaks to me and he says I told you to stay home and pray and you never did it and he was more harsh with me this time. And I remember writing on the flyleaf of that Bible in the very front. Right in the first page. I'll bring it to you next. We can show you in red pen. When the Spirit of God tells me to intercede, I'll stop what I'm doing and intercede. Nothing is more important. If President Obama called you on the phone and wanted to meet with you and the Lord is telling you to pray, it's more important that you pray. Because it's God. So I graduated college. I'm working for another church in the area, working 60 plus hours a week, praying with people. My last, on my days off, the last thing I wanted to do was to pray and read the Bible. If you're in ministry, you can understand what I'm talking about. I'm making my bed, and the spirit of intercession comes over me, and I think about a person who I hadn't thought about, who hadn't even crossed my mind in years, comes across my mind, and I think to myself, wow, it's funny having a thought about this person. I haven't thought about him in a while. His name was Robert. I hadn't thought. I forgot even Robert was a person that had been in my life. Why am I thinking about Robert? And do you know what I did? The Spirit of God said pray for him. And do you know what I did? I went out with my friends that night. That was a Friday night. Went out with my friends. Sunday morning I'm getting up for church. And an email comes through from somebody that I hadn't talked to in about four or five years. And he writes me an email and he says, Chris, I'm sorry to get in contact you and contact you again this way. But Robert, who I hadn't thought about in a while, was killed in a car accident on Friday night. You know, I almost dropped the phone. I almost was tore to pieces. Got in a church that day and looked white as a ghost. One of the ministers saw me and he said, I have to lay hands on you. He said, because something's wrong with you. And it took me a while. And to this day, I don't pretend to know everything. I don't know why that accident happened. I don't know why that accident took place. But I do know this. Prayer could have stopped it. And that's why the Spirit of God was searching for someone to be intercessor. Is it my fault? It's not my fault. It's the person who crashed into him's fault. It's Satan's fault. But I'll tell you this. That the Spirit of God was petitioning me to pray. Hello, somebody. So I want to teach this church right away. Don't care where we're at in number. I care where you're at in depth. When the Spirit of God tells you to pray for somebody, stop what you are doing to pray. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? Amen, Amen, somebody. Now, I'm telling you to say that when you're and we are in a church... It's in a time of prayer. and a time of fasting. and a time of going after the things of the spirit. You're going to find that you may need prayer more than when you're not deciding to be a threat against hell. You become a threat against hell. Don't think for one second. That Satan is just going to stand by and allow a church to say we're taking 500 souls out of darkness. Don't think that Satan is going to say, oh, there's a church over there and they're talking about the spirit of the age. If you weren't here on Thursday, I ministered on the spirit of the age and how the spirit of the age is revealing itself. And you cannot see it, but he is using everything that he knows in its power to convince people to walk away from Jesus. Don't think that you can start unmasking Satan's tactics and he's just gonna go by and say, Oh, isn't that cute? They gotta they're just gonna just that, that. no 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 He's not thinking it's cute. He's going to do everything in his power to keep you from doing that. Can somebody say Amen? amen. Now I want to ask for your prayers. Number one, because today After service, I'm getting on an airplane and I'm flying to Miami where I'll lay over and on Monday morning, I'll be in the islands. And I have experienced twice in the place where I'm going. Two times, I've been there four. This will be my fifth time. Two out of the four times I've been there, I've experienced attacks of witchcraft down there. You say, well, what do you mean? I was preaching down there three years ago. And when people say, I don't believe in witchcraft, blah, blah, blah. Listen, listen, (laughs) you have a Western mind. You think because the university doesn't teach it and teaches it away as folklore. You go over with me to these places and you'll see very much so how real it can be. I was preaching one time and was laying hands on people by the Holy Spirit. And there was a woman, she came and the Lord told me the woman has a spirit casted out of her. And I remember I was under the anointing that night. The power of God was flowing. And I cast the spirit out of this lady. And I had three more people to pray for after this person. Service was powerful. Move of God. This church is just kind of two walls set up and no air conditioning. It's one of those kind of services. Power of God flowing. And I cast the devil out of this lady. And you heard a pop. I mean, it sounded like a literal pop. She fell back. And I went to turn. And as soon as I started walking, a pain hit me so hard right here in my abdomen I almost fell over and I had to pray quickly for these people and I walked in the back room and it felt like someone was gouging my insides out with a knife and I'm sitting there oh what's going on and the pastor come up to me and he says what happened I said I pray for the lady the devil come out of her and now I'm bent over in pain the pastor said that's witchcraft and he rebuked me he said, you did not take authority over spirits and wickedness when you started preaching. You get up there when you start preaching, you say, I take authority in the name of Jesus over every satanic spirit, over every prince of the power, whatever it may be, every witchcraft curse, I take authority over in Jesus' name. Do you want to know what happened? Then we, the, the year before that and then I prayed after I called some prayer partners and I was set free from that. Do you know what happened? The f- second year I went down, second year I went down. I'm doing the services and they put exes, the witch doctors, over the doors in some type of blood or something like that. And the witch comes to the service and I didn't know it was the witch but the Holy Spirit told me that's the witch. And I'm sitting there about to get ready to preach, and the pastor and me are sitting on the stage. And the pastor says, Do you see what's happening in the service? I say, What? That person right there is a witch. They come in and start disrupting the service. I said, That's the person the Lord told me is the witch. And the Lord said, That's the witch. You know what happened? I get back to my room. I think I've told this story before. Wake up the next morning, and I start walking to the bathroom, and I get dizzy, and my eyesight disappears. And I fall over on the bed. And wake up an hour and a half later. Don't think. Don't think that witchcraft is not real. Your prayers are the things that the Lord wants to use to keep those things from happening. If you're not praying, bad things can happen. This is the thing I've taught this church all the time. Bad things happen to good people because good people do not have intercessors. Amen, somebody. It's important to pray. Someone say pray. Pray. Say pray. pray. Can I get your prayers when I go down? Will you be praying for me? That doesn't mean you go on Facebook and start talking about, oh, Pastor Palmer, what was he? He had this happen. Don't do that. You'll scare people. They need context. Don't go around and say bad things on Facebook. Just You just keep it between you and me. Keep it between this church. We're going to be praying and lifting up the name of Jesus. And I'll tell you one more story. I'll tell you this last story. Let me tell you one more. Same place, same islands I'm going down to. Same islands. Went down to these islands two years ago. And I had people praying this time. I haven't been down these islands twice. I ain't having this happen again. Amen. I go down the islands. They took us. There's, there's four or five islands. and They took us to one island. Only 2,000 people. Actually, 2,000 people live on this island. The whole island. 2,000 people. That's it. Four churches. And all four churches combined so that we can have a revival. Only one place to stay. It's not even a hotel. And people are praying. Believing God. Joining their faith. Praying, believing God, joining their faith. We stay there for one week. Every night of service. Every night of service, we're staying there. Every night of service, we're staying there. Preaching, teaching, ministering, going to the sick, visiting the homes, visiting the houses. After the service, after the week's over, pastor comes by way of boat, water taxi, picks us up. We drive back to the main island where we did revival there that week. He comes back and says, see, well, let me back up. There was a group of Mormons, the only other people that were staying they were from the University of Mines in Utah, which is one of the top universities in the country. You can Google it. so a real smart people. And every morning at breakfast, I would see them, and we would chit-chat, and we would talk. Well, they were staying longer than us on North Keikos, which is the island. The pastor comes back and sees me during the weekend. and says, I have to tell you what happened when you left. You left on Friday morning, on Sunday night, which we could have been there on Sunday night, depending on how we set everything up. When you left on Sunday night, Two young men, under the influence of cocaine, broke into the exact rooms that you were in and held it up at knife point and sliced a man's hand open. And you were staying in the exact rooms. And if you were there Sunday night, it would have happened to you. Getting broken at 3 o'clock in the morning. Getting held up at knife point. But do you see how when you pray, it helps people's safety? Hello, somebody? So I want to ask for your prayers. Will you pray for me? Will you believe God? Now I'll be back on Saturday. I'll be here next Sunday for church. But I want you to come because on Thursday night of this week we we'll have a prayer meeting here at the church. don't. If you come on Thursdays, don't come not come on Thursdays because I'm not here. Come and pray and we're going to believe God for the area. We're going to just have a prayer meeting here at the church. It's going to be led by our leadership. Amen, somebody? All right. Praise the Lord. If you got your Bibles with the 30 minutes that we have left, I want you to go ahead and turn to, if you will... If you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 19. Amen. See, you get two sermons at this church. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse number 19, if you have your Bible. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse number 19. Let's go to the scriptures this morning. We have a half hour. We're going to make good use of it. Proverbs 18 and verse 19. This is what it says. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Look at your neighbor and say, offense. Mm-mm, mm Here we go. <laughs> an, offended friend is ho- a offended fr- an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate with lock bars. <laughs> You're like, well, can we go back to talking about prayer? <laughs> Luke 17 and verse 1, this is what it says. Luke 17 and verse number 1. Luke 17.1, then he said unto the disciples, this is Jesus talking, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. Somebody say, offenses, come on, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, offenses will come that means you are certain to be offended at some point in the week how many were offended this week raise your hand come on talk to me how many were offended last week talk to me how many offended la- yesterday how many were offended this morning husbands don't raise your hand wives keep them down praise God it's impossible but that offenses will come but whoa but whoa so you did nothing wrong if you got offended if you got offended it's normal Look at your name and say, it's normal. It happens. Jesus says, but woe unto him through whom they come. And then, verse Matthew 11, verse number 6, this is what it says Matthew 11 and verse number 6. Matthew 11, 6. Blessed is the one who's not offended by me. Jesus said, blessed is the one who's not offended. Someone say, blessed is me when I'm not offended. Offenses, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. If you're taking notes, you say, Pastor, what is an offense? Offense is the negative attitude, it's not a positive attitude. I'm going to tell you something right now. If you find somebody that is offended, they're the last person that you want to be around. They will eat you alive, brother. You get around a person that is offended, you might as well take cover. Because that person is going to poison you so bad, you won't wish you never spent two minutes around them. They're going to start polluting you and dirtying you up and changing your mind and filling your ideas with stuff. And before long, you're going to be another person. Let me ask you this question. How many can say genuinely this morning that you thought one way about somebody in a good, positive way? godly light and you got around somebody else who said a few things to you about that person and then you started thinking about them another way raise your hand yeah come on raise your hand up come on all these spiritual people in the church raise your hand up this morning i got my hand up my hand i got all my legs up in my head and my hands amen you've been polluted by somebody that's offended what caused that person to speak bad about that person offense offense Hello, somebody. So offense is the negative attitude a person adopts after being affronted by someone or something. So he sins an attitude, word or deed. It usually keeps on sinning as you develop bitterness and resentment toward the individual or the situation. I remember I was young in ministry and I was praising the Lord and I was worshiping God and I was getting ready to set out as a young evangelist, travel and do the circuit. And the Lord told me, if you can keep your heart from being bitter the whole time you're in ministry, you'll win. If you keep your heart from being offended, you're going to win. Do you know how many ministers, how many pastors, especially in ministry, get offended and lose sight of what God has for them? How many things could have been in the kingdom of God. How, the, how powerful God's church could have been. How big God's church could have been. How deep the roots. Things don't even get off the ground sometimes because offense comes in and knocks the whole thing out. Worship teams fail because of offense. Pastors preach with anger and resentment behind the pulpit and cease preaching with love because their heart is filled with being offended at their church members. Instead of preaching and loving They preach mad And ticked off And angry Because all week They've been taking the abuse Of the, the people in the church Because the people in the church offended the pastor It's a deadly cycle You know in the church We don't even have to worry About the devil sometimes We should never worry about the devil You don't know, have to The devil's the non-factor In many churches sometimes Because offense does the work For the devil Amen this is what it says in uh, Romans 9, verse 33. This is what it says, nine thirty-three, Romans 9. As it is written, behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. The word here, offense, is the Greek word scandalon. Sounds like a scandal. Amen. This is where we get our word scandal. A scandal is something that's going to trip you up. It's a trap. It is like a bear trap. Getting your foot caught in something. You know, you see on the cartoons, you have a bear, he's hungry, he's going through the woods, he sees a trap, he sees some food laying out, he goes and walks by it and gets his foot caught in a trap, and then you know in the old cartoons it shows this thing swing up in a tree, and before long he's swinging back and forth, and the hunters come get him. Amen? This is what offense is. Listen, when you have an opportunity, remember this, when you have an opportunity to be upset or to be angry, Or to be offended at authority is a trap of Satan. When you have the opportunity to be offended by authority, it is a trap of Satan. Romans 14 and verse 13. Are you here this morning? Romans 14 and verse 13. This is what it says. Let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. This is what it means. Live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to act contrary to their sets of beliefs with a contrary action. Satan uses offense of his, as one of his weapons to change the beliefs of an individual. You find so many people that start off. You know, I think it's funny. I've been in ministry now in August. We'll have a celebration. In August, you know, we got to celebrate it, right? Ten years, full-time ministry right here. I can't wait for August. <laughs> Amen. Ten years, full-time ministry. Oh, right. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought about that the other day and says, "Uh-oh, <laughs> I don't have any excuses. I don't. I can't make rookie mistakes anymore like I used to do. You know, rookie. If you're a rookie at something, you gotta take advantage of being a rookie. Don't try and be a pro when you're a rookie. You can make mistakes, and they'll say, "Oh, that's so cute." I remember I used to make that mistake. Let me show you how to do it. Amen. You can take advantage of being a rookie. You better enjoy being a rookie. But now, ten years, if I make that mistake, they'll say, "Are you stupid?" Yeah, but I know that when I start off in ministry and I'm going to use ministry because it's my world, but you think about your world, I start off happy, green, come out of Bible school. Here we go. Let's just go on. Everybody's for Jesus. And you know it's to start to realize, sad as it is, not everybody's for Jesus. People for themselves, mostly, out to get each other, covering each other's backs. People that have been wounded are most concerned about covering their own back. And instead of it being about Jesus, it's about covering their backside. Because they've been hurt. So you get around a bunch of offended people, it no longer becomes about God, it becomes about them. And I started realizing, this walk is going to be about keeping my heart right before God. When you get before God and you get into the presence of the Lord, that's the only way you can keep your heart pure and keep your heart about Jesus. If you do not keep your heart in prayer, If you don't consecrate and spend time in prayer and spend time in worship and spend time humbling yourselves before the Lord, your heart is going to get picked off by one of Satan's traps right down the line. And I guarantee you, the first place it's going to be is with offense. You say, how do you know if I'm offended? Listen to the words that you're speaking. Listen to the thoughts that you're having. Listen to the way you talk about authority. Hello, somebody. Luke 17 and verse 1, Jesus says it's impossible that offenses will come. Jesus says it's impossible for offenses not to come. That means that offenses, if you're taking notes, offenses are inevitable in a fallen world. You're going to get offended at some point. Somebody is going to do something to you that you don't like. You can't live your life saying, I just don't want anyone to offend me. We're living in a society where everybody is offended today. You ever realize that? Everybody's offended at everything. Politically correct people are trying not to offend. The only people they care about offending today is the Christians. And do you know something? They expect today people, they expect pastors today to be politically correct. They say, pastors, oh, I can't believe you take, you think, you think you're just going to get up in your pulpit and say if you don't accept Jesus, you're going to go to hell. Yes, that's what the Bible teaches. The message of the gospel is extremely offended. People today, they don't want the pastors to offend them. Don't offend me, pastor. Come tell me the truth. Tell me it's going to be okay. Tell me it's going to be good. I didn't pray all week. I didn't worship God all week. I didn't get into my quiet time. Why didn't you do that? Because my job is busy. I have to be up. My boss is demanding. You don't get in the presence of God. You don't do things, but you want me to come into church and tell you everything's going to be okay. I can't tell you that. I can tell you if you don't get in prayer and if you don't get in worship, if you don't get in the presence of God, it may not be okay. You may end up hurt. You may end up doing something and messing your life up if you're not in the presence of God. But you want me to tell you, it's not my job. My job is to preach to you the word and tell you how to live your life and order your life according to the word of God, whether you like it or not. Amen, Amen somebody. The message of the kingdom, Jesus' message, is a very offensive message. Glory to God. Okay. write this down if you take taking notes. Offense. Offense is a sign of the end times. How you know Jesus is coming soon? I know how Jesus is coming soon, because everywhere we go today, people offended. Jesus said it. Matthew 24 and verse 10. Many, and then, and then, and then, and then, in those times, the disciples asked Jesus, how do we know when the kingdom is coming? How do we know the kingdom is coming, Jesus? What should we look for? What should we look for to know the Messiah is getting ready to consummate the next age? And Jesus said, in that time, many will be offended. What happens when you're offended? Tell us more, Jesus. Many will betray one another. Before people betray each other, they get offended. I remember one time. I was sitting with a group of people. Two people. They were friends. They were best friends. I was having dinner with a couple of people. It was a group of us. And I remember watching these two. See, I'm not good at a lot of things. Um, I'm not good at some. Listen, I can't draw you a picture. If you ask me to draw you a picture, you're going to get a head and a stick body. And if you're a girl, some eyelashes. Amen. <laughs> I'm not quick with math. Every time I go make deposits and withdrawals from the bank, they say that's not added, right? I'm saying, I'm sorry. And always, I'm always putting more than I should in my (laughs) economy. I just, you know, I thought I'd add 100 just in case, you know, for good measure. Not good at that. My friends will tell you I'm not good at driving. Amen. Actually, I'm pretty good now, but I didn't used to be good at driving. I'm definitely not good at handiwork. The woman that marries me, she better understand this. When the toilet's broke, we're calling a plumber. I ain't fixing nothing. (laughs) If something falls down, we're calling someone to hang it up. If we need to hang up a poster, we're calling someone to hang that up. Because I don't do sticky tack. Amen. I'm not a handyman. But one thing I can do is read stuff. I will read people. Boom, I can figure it out. Maybe one in a hundred, one in a thousand I can't read. But for the most part, I'm, I, got you, I got your number. That's right. Y'all better watch out now. Don't be living in sin. And come in. If you living in sin, you just better walk out. Cause I'm gonna come. Hey, 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 what were you doing last night? You didn't look me in the eye. What were you doing last night? What movie were you watching? <laughs> I was watching these people, and I looked and I said, "They said we're best friends. Yeah, we've been friends to the end." I said to the friend next to me, "I'm not talking bad, but he was another pastor." I said, "They're not going to be friends in six months." You watch. He said, "How you know that?" said, "Cause I see the offense between them. I can see it. I can see it. And do you know what happened?" I saw one of them next time, I said, hey, I so-and-so? I said, we ain't friends anymore. I said, what happened? And they said, well, you know, they cray, they cray. <laughs> I hate that word, don't even use that word, but that's what they said, they cray. That means crazy, they cray, they cray cray. I said, what? What's the crayfish, what? Crawfish, you eat crawfish, you that's what we're talking about. They cray. And I found out the whole story, I said, yeah. So that was going on back then, they said, yeah. I said, I saw that happening do you know what they betrayed each other and they started talking bad i said no baby, don't talk so bad do you know what it started with offense they betrayed each other and then look what jesus says after they betray each other they shall hate one another it starts with offense you get offended someone comes to you and says something to you now quickly If you're writing notes, take this down What causes offense? First offense, next betrayal, next hatred How many people start off at a church Yeah, this is my church, glory to God I'm just so happy to be here It's so wonderful Fresh approach, yeah, the power of God Moving in the power of God Oh yeah, yeah, and then all of a sudden a wound (gasps) You're walking wounded Now you didn't come in church happy You just, I'm wounded, I'm wounded I'm mad I've been shot. Pastor shot me. I've been shot. Trying to cover that wound up. Oh, Oh, oh I can't believe he said that. I can't believe you oh, oh, oh. he didn't say hi to me. He didn't say hi to me. You know, you know how long? You know how did all this work? He didn't even notice. And then the next thing you know, they be betraying. Talking bad. <laughs> And the next thing, they hate it. It happens every day. Marriages, churches, friendships, people. You see it every day. I don't see it? Well, just tune in to Survivor. You'll see it on that show all the time. You know why people love those shows? They relate to it. They will cause problems on those shows. If there was no drama on Survivor, you wouldn't watch it. Just be a bunch of happy people on an island banging and smashing open coconuts and having a good old time. Glory to God. Number one, what causes offense? The first thing. The first thing. Are you ready for this? This is the most important thing. Jealousy. Jealousy. Look what it says in First Samuel 18. I've talked about jealousy here before. Keep your heart from jealousy. It will eat you alive. It is the termite of hell. That's that termite spirit. We gotta get you delivered from that termite spirit. Amen. First Samuel 18 and verse number five. Whatever Saul asked David to do, David did successfully. Saul made him a commander over the men of war an appointment that was welcomed by the people and Saul's officers alike. When the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. They sang, they danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. This was a song. Saul has killed his thousands, David his ten thousands. This made Saul very angry. What's this? He said, they credit David with 10 thousands and me with only thousands next they'll be making him their King. So from that time, Saul kept a jealous eye on David and look what it says here. The very next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul. And he began to rave in his house like a madman. Write this down. If you're taking notes, jealousy opens up the door to demons offense and jealous. You, you mean by demons? I mean demons. Is, I mean demons. Evil looking spirits. Real spirits, Pastor? Real spirits. You mean just a bad attitude? No, 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 no. I don't mean just a bad attitude. I mean evil demon spirits. I don't believe in that. Well, I'll tell you what. Nine-tenths of the world does. Maybe you and Harvard University don't believe in that, but most of the world does believe in that. Just go travel somewhere. I think it's funny. These people in universities, they know so much, but they've never been nowhere. Haven't lived life. Haven't been nowhere, but they know so much. How you know so much? You haven't been nowhere. Well, I've been to school. Your professors haven't been nowhere. Amen. Get out in the real world. Someone said, "Well, my professor knows so much. Why do you think professors are only convincing college students? You ever stop to wonder that? They sit and they possess the mind of college students, but they can't convince the minds of adults. Adults also get the hippie professors like they're crazy. Are you with me today, church? Hello, someone talk to me. Are you with me? Hello out there. Hello. <laughs> you start opening the door to offense and jealousy, you know what you'll become? A madman, a raving lunatic walking around. I can't believe him. You, just see, you see what they're doing? I'm telling you what, they didn't have that many people in the church. It's the way they held the camera. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. It makes you crazy. Number two, write it down. Number two, this is the big thing. This is the big thing. The number one thing. Most people can protect their heart from jealousy. But I'll tell you what it's hard for people to reject their heart from. Rejection. Rejection. The root of rejection causes you to be offended. You know the story. Cain, Abel... The Bible says that Cain made a sacrifice and Abel's sacrifice was more pleasing to the Lord. And the Lord came down and he saw Cain walking in the garden one day and Cain got his head in the mud like an ostrich, stuck his head in the sand. He said, Cain, why are you feeling so dejected? And Cain gave him the old oh, "Well, You like Abel's sacrifice? You like my sacrifice? And God looked at Cain and he said, sin is in your heart. Now that's the interesting thing about this story. Cain had a meeting with Almighty God. Cain made a bad sacrifice, and God came to Cain and said, Cain, your sacrifice wasn't acceptable to me. Not because I don't like fruits and vegetables. Your sacrifice is not good to me because I see sin in your heart. He had an enc- Why did God tell him that? Because he wanted Cain to say, you know what, God? I have sin in my heart. You're right. I need to get this out. Had an encounter with God. After that encounter, he walks right out and he goes, and kills his brother. That means that offense is so powerful. You can come to a church where the presence of God is manifested, see the miracles, see the signs, see the wonders, experience the power of God, and at the same time, go do something stupid out of offense. Amen. Good job, Pastor Palmer. Are you here, church? Yeah. Offense. You can take it in and out of the presence of God and never deal with it. It will destroy you. And number three, number three, take this down if you're writing notes. Unintended offenses. This is where 90% of them come from. You say, what do you mean unintended offenses? Let me read to you James four, verse number one. This is what it says. James 4, in verse number 1. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? See, we think sometimes, well, you know, we need to go back to the old ways of doing church. Back those days and those apostles' days, they just never had any problems. Amen. Yeah. Just go back to the old days of the apostles. We just need to go back to that church, Brother Palmer. They didn't have problems back then. (laughs) Are you kidding me? That's why Paul says, I want to go home and be with Jesus, but I need to stick it out with you guys a little more because you need me. (laughs) And if I go to heaven, I don't know what you're going to do with (laughs) yourselves. Serious problems. James says, what's causing you all to fight? Don't they come from the evil desires that are at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it from each other. This, this sounds like The Bachelor. Amen? <laughs> Doesn't it sound like the 12 tribes of James is writing to? This sounds like reality TV. You, yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God. So you see that they're getting fighting, backbiting. And I'll say this. Those people that get offended by unintentional offenses are immature. What are you talking about unintended offenses? Well, you know, I called the pastor, he didn't call me back. Oh, I texted him, he didn't text me back. Oh, you know, I came to church today and right, you know, I gave brother so-and-so an envelope, a card and they didn't just read it in front of me. I don't know if they didn't appreciate it or not. <laughs> oh, you know, I did something and they didn't recognize it. Oh, I commented on their status and they liked everyone's but my comment. <laughs> I put a picture of us up and they didn't like it. Hello? Y'all are laughing. You think, you, you know, something about this? Oh, they had pistons tickets, and they took everybody but me. Well, I ain't want to go to a pistons game anyway, amen. I don't know. Some of y'all looking at me, they're good now. I know they beat the Warriors last night, so now they're good all of a sudden, right? You understand what I'm talking about? Immaturity. You know what God's looking at you thinking? You think God's looking at you saying, Oh, come on. Come over here, I'll buy you, take you to dairy Queen No, he ain't looking at God is looking at you thinking, toughen up. Toughen up. Stop being this way. While you're offended and sad, people are going to hell. While you're offended and sad, miracles coming and going. You will miss your season if you're offended. Can you come play quickly? Hey Amen. Well, you know, he didn't say it nicely. He, say, he didn't say it nice. He didn't say it nicely. Why don't you say it nice? If someone says something nice to you, 99 times out of 100 and at one time they say it, it may maybe they're in a rush it maybe they're having a bad day get over it look at your name and say get over, get over it all right all right number one offense creates division number two here's the thing of problem with offense a person that is offended takes the initiative you know what i'm talking about they're a quiet person they don't do much they don't talk much you couldn't get them to do nothing well, the minute they get offended, they take taken in the initiative. To do what? To create an emulation. Do you know what happens when people get offended and take the initiative? They do something called create emulation. Emulation emu- what? An immunization? What is that? An emulation is when someone starts talking bad about the person that offended them to other people having taken the initiative and they start creating sex. S-E-C-T-S Divisions And those are sects Of polluted people That are tuning out What the offender has to say And this is why the church of Jesus Has split many times over Many churches I saw this in a dream one time The Lord showed me a church full of people in a vision full of people And there was a line down the middle And then a line across it and other lines and I saw all these different groups I said God what's going on he said this is what offense have done it has divided it and do you know what happens when people are offended they cannot unite in prayer and things that need agreement in prayer don't get don't get prayed for and those things that don't get prayed for shrink up and people say, "Why did God let it happen? What did this happen? Why well, come God didn't do nothing about this? Because you weren't praying as a united body. Because everybody was offended. Because someone didn't say something nice to you. Or someone didn't like your Facebook status. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, don't be offended. Let's stand to our feet this morning. You like that? Two sermons in one. How you like that this morning? Now that you've heard the light of today, connect with us. Go to our website, lightoftoday.org, write us at P.O. Box 403, Wald Lake, Michigan, 48390, or tweet Chris Palmer at twitter.com forward slash Chris Palmer. Our podcasts are free and updated regularly, so make sure to share them with a friend and tune in again to The Light of Today with Chris Palmer.